right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have High School Sports Weekly after the show tonight over at Burgers by Biggs, but we got a fun show first. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, will join us in about 20 minutes from right now. John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears. So we get both ends of things from the radio side. Going to join us at 4 o'clock. We've got plenty of KU football talk, some KU basketball talk, and we got plenty of audio to share for you. Brian Borland, Bill Self, Dewan Harris, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller. Do those sound like something that might interest you? I thought so. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. The Joel Embiid, or not Joel Embiid, the Kevin Durant uh, boost that was on DraftKings last night to plus 100 score 20, it hit. So there we good. go. There we go. Made back the money from the uh, Justin <laughs> Herbert one. Justin Herbert one, yeah. Uh, Kansas, if you've noticed this, so... I think it opened at like eight and a half, nine points. It went down to seven and a half. It's back up to nine and a half. So kind of similar to what happened with the Oklahoma line. Yeah. Does that scare you at all? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like what happens is it opens up at a higher number. Kansas fans all bet it, so it drops a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody else starts to bet the other way, and it comes back up again. So the so lesson is to wait till like <laughs> Saturday morning. Maybe. Maybe. Get a better number. Because then you would have won against Oklahoma if you would have got a ten and a half. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. There's uh, some huge news from a sports standpoint. Actual huge news. Yeah. The, well, I mean, it's okay. Hold on. It's not I really. Mean, it doesn't affect I mean, us. It's not really huge yeah. news. It's like it's news, but it's like a prelude to what could be some huge news <laughs> yeah. in the near future. Yeah, it's not like an official thing. But uh, I think it was late last night, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports reported that the Big 12 is nearing a media rights deal. And... I guess, as part of this, like in the article, he's talking to Brett Yormark, and I saw Dennis Dodd at Big 12 Media Days yesterday. Brett Yormark was there as well, so I'm sure that's when he kind of talked to him just yesterday. And he said that it could be near $60 million for the member schools. And he was he was asked about it. He was like, how is this the case if... You know, people were saying you were going to lose whatever forty percent, fifty percent of your revenue yeah. with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And the quote that he put in there, he said, "I'm a good salesman," which your your is, seems like he just does not care. He's just going to do whatever he wants. Dude, I love it. 
But yeah, also that sucks, Bob Bowlesby. Turns out you were just wrong. Because he was he was the one that went to the Texas whatever and said that uh, Big Twelve is going to lose fifty percent of its revenue. All right, so here's the question with this. I okay. Th- does this change your attitudes about a possible move to the Big Ten for KU? Um, no, I don't think it does. If it's near sixty million, I think the Big Ten is sixty million or around there, right? Right now it is, but by the time the Big Ten gets fully running with USC and UCLA, it's going to be like a hundred. That's still a sizable chunk. That's you know two thirds extra of what you would be making. Okay. It's a great sign because this does mean that if we consider staying in the Big 12 a backup option, which I know that sounds disrespectful, it's not. Like, it's it's a great backup option. I'm just saying, like, any school in the Big 12, Pac-12, if they get invited by the Big 10 or the SEC, they're taking it because of how much money they would make. But if you don't have that option, I think this is, I don't know, more pretty, of a clear pretty good idea that the Big 12 is the next best conference besides the Big Ten and the SEC. Financially, that's definitely the case. And I don't think the Pac-12 is going to be able to sniff that money. And so if that that really is the figure that comes out and this is official, then good luck if you're the Pac-12 keeping like Arizona and Arizona State and Colorado. What I didn't really fully understand about this, and maybe you you do, I don't know, but there's, there's this like what they call formal negotiating window for the Big 12, which that doesn't open up until, like, end of 2023, I think. But yet, somehow they're allowed to just negotiate now? It's So I believe how the negotiating window works... I was just really confused. ...is the negotiating window is with who currently has their rights. So it's like, to put it in sports terms, when the Chiefs gave Orlando Brown a franchise tag, Orlando Brown wasn't really able to go out and you know, work on contracts with other teams like the Patriots or the Ravens. But the Chiefs had the opportunity till a certain deadline, like July, whatever, I don't know, maybe it was in August, to try to give a long-term contract to Orlando Brown. It's essentially like that. So Fox and ESPN, who already have a deal in place with with, uh, the Big 12, are basically allowed, with the Big 12 as well, to negotiate with each other and if there is no deal reached or the Big 12 just says, hey, we want to go to the open market, then once that date passes, now they can negotiate with Amazon and Apple and no, NBC and wh- no. whoever would be bidding. Don't right? go to Amazon. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, no, hypothetically, I know that's what it means. No, I'm just, sorry. So I just had a visual reaction to the idea no, of you're fine. buy Amazon Prime <laughs> to watch KU. Well, that that basically, this is good news for you then, because if they're okay, just good. negotiating internally, this sounds like it would stick with ESPN <laughs> and Fox, that so would, you're good. That would be ideal. I don't want to buy Amazon Prime or <laughs> Apple TV, whatever, whatever Apple TV, I don't know, Apple TV Plus, I don't even know. Yeah, Apple TV is like five bucks a month, so it's not bad oh, okay. now, but I just, well, just wait. If they get sports, then it's going to be costing, <laughs> you know, 15, 20 bucks a month, something like that. So uh, that is the news. We'll be keeping an eye on it, but yeah, that would be great news for KU because it means... Whether you're in the Big 12 or you did get that invite and decided to go to the Big 10 at any point, you're in really good shape as a conference. So KU takes on Baylor on Saturday. You can hear it here on KLWN. Pre-game 9.30, kickoff at 11 o'clock. The only goal at this point after losing to Oklahoma, it's just get to six wins. Do it any way you can. I think even after the TCU loss, and especially because I think people were really high on TCU, deservedly so. TCU just beats Oklahoma State. They're a top-10 team now and everything. 
it was still this idea of, hey, if we can beat a down Oklahoma, we're sitting at 6-1, and one, maybe Jalen Daniels comes back either the week after or for the following game against Oklahoma State, and if you're even you know, 7-1 and one headed into that game, then we just go 2-2 two and two down the stretch. Like, we're in discussion to make a, a Big 12 championship, or we go 3-1. and one. I think given that not just you did lose to Oklahoma, but the way that it kind of happened where defensively you got maybe exploited a little bit and ran into some issues, and the offense, though still good, didn't look the same as with Jalen Daniels, the only goal at this point is six wins. Uh, toss out the Big 12 championship thoughts from your head. Well, I'm glad you're finally on board with this train because I have been the conductor <laughs> of this train for like the past month. Okay? This has been all I've dreamed about, getting to six wins. Now, when the K was 5-0, and I did. I was having this thought of, well, crap. The top of the mountain for KU was getting to six wins, and now they're going to get that halfway through the season? Now I might need to recalibrate here. But no, all along it's always been to get to six wins. And – I think there's also a possibility that we have fallen into this trap of there's nobody that's really dominant in the Big 12 this year, which I think kind of lended credibility to the idea that KU could make a Big 12 championship run. Like, like imagine if Oklahoma was typical Oklahoma, number two in the country, they were going to go 12-0. and 0. Like, Would we be having, this, having so much discussions about KU making a Big 12 title run? No, probably not. Probably not. But because it's a year where you're looking at probably you know three or four teams that are going to finish with eight, nine wins, right? And if KU could have somehow, you know, wriggled their way into that into that group of teams with that number of wins, and if the tiebreakers went the right way, they could have made it in, right? But that's that seems like it's not going to be the case now with, with the loss to Oklahoma. So, yes, for me, it's always been about get to six wins. Get to six wins. Get to six wins. Get a bowl game. You go to a bowl game if you're six and six. You go to a bowl game if you're eight and four. It doesn't matter. Get to a bowl game. Yeah, and the reason I'm saying this now is that if KU does beat Baylor on Saturday – we're not going to come in here next week and say, oh, they're back into the Big 12 <laughs> championship race. Now, probably not. There is an avenue for that conversation to happen again, I mean, but yeah, I think it comes were... with beating Baylor and then Oklahoma State. Yes. I think you'd have to be 7 and 2. Yes. And beat, beat Baylor and Oklahoma State. If you win the next two games, we will start having that discussion. Yes. But yeah, right now, the only goal, get to six wins. And then from there, it can just be cherry on top. Like yep. anything extra is great. You know, yep. you're in a bowl game I've and all the, that stuff. I've had the blinders on all year, man. <laughs> six wins and nothing else. Certainly after the start that they had. And that would be fantastic, right? I mean, I think even the most optimistic KU fans maybe weren't necessarily predicting a bowl game this season, right? I mean, the general consensus was get to four wins, and that's going to be a successful season. Mm -hmm. So even the fact that we are sitting here saying, guys, please just get to a bowl game, like, like that was like that's kind of a crazy thing to think about considering what we the expectations were coming into the season. So the fact that we're sitting here right now with with where KU's at, it's it's fantastic. It's great. They're in a great position to get that one more win to push them into bowl eligibility. And and again, I think after the hot start, that became a conversation. But certainly in the preseason, it was not, you know, it was not even, I would think most realistic KU fans were not anticipating a bowl game this season. So it's it's great regardless. They just got to get that last win. And I'm, I'm very confident that they will. It's interesting, too, because if you would have said before the season, like hypothetically, if this thing does find its way to 5-7 and seven and they don't make a bowl game, it would feel a little bit disappointing because you were right there. And something you brought up kind of at the beginning of the season, you were like, I go think you four said, and eight. Yeah, you, you'd Literally rather go, go four and eight. eight. Because you don't want to have the idea of the bowl game was right in front of yes. you. Um, yes. 
And so clearly, if you would have said before the season, though, just in terms of the win total of, of saying they're going to win five games, it would be their most in over a decade. Yep. It would be a resounding success and huge progress from last year to this year. And so for that reason, I, I, I'm i just going to say, like, the season already is a resounding success. Then Absolutely. you add in the fact that you really discovered what how, just how good Jalen Daniels can be, like a Heisman candidate, and you had college game day here, and you were ranked at one point, and you snapped that streak of not being ranked. So without a doubt, the season to me is an overwhelming success. Yep. It would just feel like a missed opportunity. It would feel, just, I don't know, really unfortunate. It would, it would be, be such a, a huge, I don't know. It would just be sad. It, it would be, yeah. Really sad. Just really, really sad. But it's not going to happen, no. I don't think. No, but it would be very easy to excuse as well. Like, that's another part of it. If... In a normal year, you start 5-0 and and you lose the last seven games. It's not just that you have the context of, well, KU hasn't reached even five wins of late. It's also that you had your star quarterback get injured along the way that it yeah. can help explain yeah. why that actually happened. Yeah, and honestly, the, the injuries for KU have been pretty brutal the past. I mean, you, you, Yeah, you it's think not about just Jalen. Yeah, you think about it. Daniel Hyshaw, Jalen Daniels, and Kobe Bryant were three of your most impactful players. Uh, en route to starting five and zero, or or I guess four and zero, then or yeah, five and zero, five and zero. So to have those guys all three go down, Highshaw sounds like he's done for the year. We still don't know about Jalen. We don't really know about Kobe Bryant either. Like that's that's tough for you to you for you to lose your top three arguably most impactful players to start your season five and zero. So yeah, I, I, from that standpoint, it would really be even better if KU got the sixth win because it shows their depth, it shows their resilience as a team, and that they were able to overcome those injuries and get themselves to bowl eligibility. I think I asked this question in the preseason, and I want to ask it again now because now it's it's less of a hypothetical and it is more of something that actually could happen here. Okay. What would you rather see Kansas get their sixth win on if it was between these two, Texas or Kansas State? Kansas State. I I agree with you in a vacuum, but it's just the idea that if you go into the K State game five at five six, and six, yeah, that's bad. Yes. That's whereas bad. with the Texas game, at least that would like knock off that pressure headed into the last game of the season. Yeah. And then for the K State game, it could just all be about let's just try to beat K State. This Absolutely. isn't about us making a bowl. Absolutely. I mean, again, the KU game for for K State, it's their Super Bowl. Yeah. It's the only game they care about. And if KU's five and six. They're just going to care even more because then they're going to be like, oh, we can stop KU from going to a bowl. Oh, like that that would just be. Ugh. Yeah. And no, because it is it, it is really tough because I would take losing, Texas. Losing to K-State to finish five and seven would just be maybe the worst day of my life. <laughs> You've lived a pretty sheltered life then. That's good. No, um, you know, I, I, I think I would choose Texas because, like I said, there would be something nice about going into that game. With just the free mind and just saying, this yeah. isn't about anything. Like, either way, we're going to a bowl game. Yep. Maybe it slightly changes us going from, like, the Armed Forces Bowl to the... It doesn't matter. Whatever, right? Well, if we go to the Armed Forces Bowl, we can't eat cheese. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that is the difference what's between the, making the cheese it Bowl, right? But What's uh, the challenge for the Armed Forces Bowl? You have to join the Armed Force. You have to join you the Air Force training, for training camp or something. However long the minimum commitment is. Or go to, go to their two-week boot camp or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to join oh. for the minimum commitment. I think it's four years, something like that. <laughs> Um, well, I wouldn't even survive boot camp. I don't think. <laughs> well, actually, since I wear glasses, I don't think I would qualify. 
because I'm I'm blind. What if um you know Captain America was kind of this scrawny dude, but he had he had heart, he had courage. What if they okay. see that in you and they're like, That's we me. have this secret formula, the, we're gonna get the, you jacked the five, up. Nine, 135 yeah. pounds. They're like, we're gonna give you this formula, you're gonna come out of here six he, foot three, two hundred forty five pounds. If he loses his glasses, he's he's a he's a danger to society. I'm just saying he can't see. Don't know what the government's cooking up under there. Uh all right. This is Rock Chalk <laughs> Sports Talk. That's about as good of a way as we can finish as ever. Yeah, no kidding. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join us on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. That time on a Thursday, joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. I want to get some basketball and football stuff. We had Big 12 media days over the last couple days. Football, obviously, this weekend that you can hear on KLWN this Saturday with pregame 9.30 kickoff at 11 o'clock. We'll, we'll start off with basketball here uh, after media day was just yesterday. And it seems like to me a common theme thus far, whether it's been yesterday, whether it's been prior to late night in the fog, after late night in the fog, has been Bill Self raving about Dewan Harris. And I know this doesn't determine play on the court, but just like in speaking to Dewan himself, I think too, he just seems so much more confident and has really opened up so much this year. Self says he's one of the best players in the conference, and I think that's kind of a fun discussion to get into of what you think that looks like because he could be one of the best players in the conference, but maybe he's not even averaging double figures. So what do you think that would look like if that is the case? Like, Are we talking like Aaron Miles 2.0? Wow, great comparison. Um, I think there's things he does better than Aaron and others where Aaron would be the superior, but when you have Fran Fraschilla saying, is, is this the most underrated player in the country? And Bill Self is already agreeing with him before he even finishes the sentence. It, it speaks to how much Coach thinks of his game. And, you know, we used to joke that other than Tyler Self, Self's favorite player, hand down by far, was Marcus Garrett. Mm-hmm. He loved Marcus's uh, mental toughness, his defensive intensity, just his basketball acumen. He sees the game like Bill sees it. And, and I think we're, we're nearing, we're, we're not on the same street yet, but we're nearing the vicinity in the same neighborhood uh, of, of self-love and affinity for Marcus Garrett that he now has uh, appreciation for, for one-to-one Harris. And that'll only continue to get bigger uh, over the course of time as he gets a chance to be around him more and more. And some of that stems from all that DeWan has overcome in life just to be here. And he talked about that yesterday, Coach Self did. You know, not everybody's dealt an even hand and, it's amazing some of the things that he's overcome. And you look at what he's doing academically now, you know, uh, as one of their best students in the classroom. It, it's incredible to see the way he has blossomed as an individual, uh, a student, and a student athlete. And the things he does on the floor, they, they may not, you know, wow you in terms of counting stats, but self told the story the other day of having three NBA scouts at practice. And at the end of practice, they come over and say, man, he just dominated that practice, and he didn't score a single bucket, you know? And so it, it's, a, it's a multitude of things that he can do at an elite, elite level that may not measure out to, you know, 15 points and eight assists a game, but the, the way he makes those around him better, defensive things he brings, anticipation, the way he can lock guys down, the way he can get his hand in passing lanes, the way he sees the floor, the, the way he can captain this thing, it's, it's impressive. So I understand why Coach Self loves him so much, and it's fun to watch 
a young man who was very shy and soft-spoken, and I don't know how much he loved doing interviews two years ago, to now be brought to media day. And you could tell he was having a blast. I mean, mm-hmm. good for him. And, and, and the truth of the matter is we could have him for three more seasons if, if he wants to play it out that long with his COVID year and everything. And so uh, the best clearly is in front of him. And, and that's saying a lot when you're talking about a starting point guard from a national championship team that already has a ring. So it's, it's exciting to see what he's already become and, and where it could head from here. I don't know if you've thought about this. We've we tossed it around a few times in the offseason when there wasn't as much going on and, and just briefly kind of poked around at it. But if, you know, Dewan finishes his career and, like you said, he could have three more years, right? And some of the total numbers would be risen up by that. But let's say there's never really that season where he does average, like you said, 15 and 8 or something like that. And he's never really like all Big 12 first team or something. But if he finishes his career with a lot of totals, and let's say he does win a second national championship, I believe he would be the only player in KU history outside of, I guess, if you counted the Helms titles in 22 and 23 to be on multiple national championship teams. Do you think that would get his name up in the rafters? <laughs> Great question. You know, self, self's been the guy that's opened up the criteria more than it was when Coach Williams was here, and, and it may get tweaked again. We're all still curious to see what's going to happen one day with David McCormick. Um, so if self's in charge of it, who knows, you know, criteria-wise what it'll take to get a guy up there. But I think in – Coach Self's mind, if, if Juan stays here long enough, he will be first team all Big 12, but obviously that doesn't get you up there. you got to be Big 12 player of the year or first team All-American, and, and neither of those may come. But if he was on two national championship teams um, and, and played that prominent of a role, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point way down the line you saw something like that. But I think under the current you know, parameters, he'd be hard-pressed unless – he wound up being the MOP of another Final Four. Uh, and and you know, that, that could be a, just a stretch of having a few good games as opposed to um, having to be a, a first-team All-American all season long or a you know, conference player of the year, which in the role he plays and how those awards are typically voted upon, he wouldn't be a, a likely candidate there because, again, he's all about the little things and not necessarily the counting stats. But, uh, but yeah, I think he'll leave a special legacy regardless. And it's funny, as, as we do this conversation, I'm actually sitting in the field house right now looking at the south end zone and looking at all of those jersey numbers hanging in the rafters and, and how that list has doubled you know, since the criteria was expanded. Not completely doubled, but it's, it's certainly uh, you know, gone up dramatically and will continue to. We've got names like Mason and, and Thomas Robinson and... Uh, Gosh, who else? Devontae Graham that, that are still to go up there. Yudoka Azubuki still to go up there. I could be running out of room. I got to move Max over a little bit to make room <laughs> for all of these. But uh, it's a nice problem to have when you got that kind of special talent coming through your program. What is seemingly you know once every three or four years a guy of, of that caliber. Yeah, I just, I just think it's interesting because presumably if he is here for six years, he might break the record for most total wins. And if you got a second title, again, among every other player in KU basketball history, he would be the only one with two NCAA titles, and that, that would be wild. So yeah. I, I don't know. I just think it would be a, an interesting conversation. Real, real quickly, though, I mean, how do you feel about it uh, with the COVID year effect mm-hmm. on stats? Like, I love Mitch Lightfoot as much as anybody. But I won't think of him as the winningest Jayhawk of all time if he had six years to accrue stats 
and other guys had four. You know what I mean? So I, I, think, I think I've never been one to have asterisks next to home run stats and stuff like that in other sports. But I, I think this COVID thing in the counting stats category, for those of us that, that get off on historical numbers and stats and facts and figures, I, I think we're really going to have to look at this, this small window of a five- or six-year era and, and look at it differently on some of those things. How do you feel? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I, I definitely think we'd look at it, you know, you'll start seeing, like if you even go through the media guides, they have – most points per game or most total points in a three-year career or a four-year career. So I'm sure that'll start being a, a divided-out category of five-year career or six-year career. I, I don't think we would, we would, I guess, make note of it for a second championship, but I think we would for the total win discussion. Baylor football's got a guy on their team that's in his seventh year. He's on the Chris Farley plan. <laughs> so it, it's why, you know, Jalen Coleman-Lands obviously had a historically long career as well. But, yeah, I, I think uh, – we start to talk about winningest ever or most of this or most of that, you know, at some point we have to, to, to look at the number of seasons they were given in the same way that for decades we looked at those three-year players like the Bud Stallworth that weren't allowed to play as freshmen and just had to get their cumulative totals as sophomore, juniors, and seniors. We gave them more credit because they weren't finishing as high on the, the counting stats list because they weren't given the chance. So I, I think it, it kind of works the opposite way, but it, it needs to have equal consideration for some of these guys that went with six seasons of counting stats. Right, well, Kate, let's uh, move over to that football field with Baylor and their uh, seventh-year player. Again, you can hear the game at 9.30 pregame, kickoff at 11 o'clock on KLWN, KLWN.com, and over at our sister station with 105.9 KISS. The series has not really gone well for KU of late. There have been a lot of lopsided scores if we just go back to last year, the final score was obviously that way too, 45 to 7, but Kansas was only down 7 at halftime. It was 14 to 7 before things kind of snowballed. I would like to think that this version of Kansas would just be in better shape if that happened again though, right? Because you just have so much more depth than you had last season. They're just a better team overall. What do you kind of make of those past struggles? for KU in this series? Do you make anything of all for this meeting in Waco? Well, I, I just think historically there, there have been some buzzsaws we've run into down there where that program was up and rolling and, and like a juggernaut, you know, had all kinds of NFL talents and, and they were just so much deeper, bigger, faster, stronger that we just weren't in a position to compete. And so to come down there this year and feel like we are on an even playing field or at least very close to it, shows, A, how far Lance Leipold has brought this program in a very short amount of time, but also, B, that you know Baylor, who had five preseason All-Americans and was number nine in the country before their loss at BYU, that they've, they've come back to earth a little bit. And that's not to downplay them at all. I still think they have one of the best coaches in the league, the reigning league coach of the year, and, and they've got great scheme offensively and defensively, but... As we've learned this year in the Big 12, nobody is otherworldly. Nobody is just on a plane all by themselves. So um, I, I think that you know Kansas has come a long ways. And I'll tell you, you know, kind of a behind the, the curtain story on in my first year's voice of the Jayhawks. I remember going down there, and we were down 42 to nothing at the half. 42 to nothing. Okay, and and I remember the the wise words of my broadcast mentor Tom Hedrick, who said. The game can be bad, but you can't be. The game can be bad, but you can't be. 
And what he meant by that was, if you're if you're announcing a game and the game is is, is a dog game, I mean, it's you're getting teeth kicked in. There's nothing compelling about back and forth action. The score's already, you know, the outcome's been decided. It's just a matter of by how many, right? And uh, and the tendency, especially for younger announcers, this was advice he gave his students back in their college days. The tendency is to kind of slouch back in your chair. And, and you lose your same zest and enthusiasm and energy, and you're just kind of playing out the string. And we were in Waco that day, and we were down six touchdowns, and it was halftime. And I remember calling David Lawrence and Josh Klingler together, who was our sideline guy at the time. He now does great work for the Chiefs on the sidelines. And, and, and we kind of had a, a huddle up, and we said, okay, the game could be bad, but we can't be. What's our angle in the second half? Josh, we've got 26 kids on the roster from the state of Texas, and that parent section is over there in 224. There's about 80 people wearing blue. I want you to go up there and spotlight some parents. David, let's look at the road ahead. Next week's game, who, who can we uh, you know, spotlight that, that maybe is trending up that, that might carry some of that confidence over to next week? And we, we came up with all these storylines, and, and it was to make the final two hours of radio palatable, listenable, whatever you want to put on it, because we were getting drilled. All right, and I tell you all that to say that isn't it great? We show up to the ballpark now. We show up to the stadium, and we feel like every day, regardless of venue or opponent, Kansas has a chance to win. We're not having to come up with storylines or filler or content to make sure folks aren't tuning out. The game does it itself, and and guys, that was not that long ago. So to think about how far we've come and. And even to go back to the Les Miles era, just a couple of years ago in Waco when Jalen Daniels was 17 years old and, and making the start uh, and, and had this rocket arm that he was wiry and didn't know what he didn't know and, and was so green and raw, to see how far he's come as an individual. And I, I know he's still you know, nursing his way back from injury, but the, the point is we've come a long time just in, in those two years, let alone going back six. And so I know we've never won in Waco 0-10 all time. I know they've won 12 in a row in the series, and I know most of them have not been close. But I got a feeling this one will be. And I think that if Jason Bean can play a cleaner game than he did last time, and if his defense can do a better job on first and second down so that you're not giving them third and short, that's how you give up 16 to 20 on third down. You had, they had third and manageable or third and short more times than not. We've got to be better on first and second down. If we can do that, we can absolutely be in this game late. And Kansas can absolutely beat Baylor in Waco for the first time ever and snap this awful skid. And I promise you, I won't be having a come-to-whoever meeting at halftime saying, okay, what are we going to talk about in the third quarter? Because this game is tough. You know, the game itself will be plenty to talk about. And I'm just so grateful that that's what we can look forward to week in and week out here in 2022. Yeah, and exactly what you said. I've, I've noticed it in my questions because I'm no longer asking people, what can KU do to, to keep it competitive or to cover the spread? It's now what can KU to win the game? Because you seriously feel like every week, you like you said, have a chance to do just that. So I'll ask you that question. What about this matchup sticks out for KU that you think they can or they need to perform well in to have a positive result and get a win on Saturday? Well, I, I think that's a couple of things. You know, There were two head injuries we were looking at from, from Baylor playing on a Thursday night a week ago at West Virginia, and Blake Shapin was one of them. He got back to practice midweek. He's going to play, it looks like. The, the quote from Miranda was, he's back with us. Uh, so I guess that's not, you know, we don't have NFL 
injury projections and questionables and, and, and that kind of thing. But, it, you know, it's looking like he's trending in the right direction. They're, the number two running back suffered a head injury in the same quarter. He's likely not going to play. Uh, but their number one running back is a true freshman that's second in the country in freshman rushing touchdowns and fourth in the country in rushing yards by freshman. He's been fantastic. And, and they just had a prolific, like, next-level receiving game last week from a senior that hadn't done anything like that his whole career. But Gavin Holmes went meet to their last week with 210 yards and a touchdown, numbers they hadn't seen since KD Cannon back in 2016, if you remember that name. So they've got some weapons. I think Ben Sims is a pro at tied in. Um, and and Shapin will be back throwing to all these guys. And before he got hurt last week, he had 294 yards in the first half alone. So with uh, a Kansas secondary that's, that's walking a little bit wounded right now, uh, they're going to have to step up. And, and hopefully the Kansas pass rush with more of Lonnie Phelps this week than what we saw last week can get to Shapin a little bit and not allow him too much time to sit back there and pick apart the Kansas secondary that will be playing a little bit shorthanded. Offensively, I, I think you have to play complementary football with your defense and do a better job of staying on the field longer um, you know, to, to make sure your defense isn't as gassed. And obviously, you know, they're not going to run 100 plays like Oklahoma did, and hopefully it won't be quite the same temperature and conditions that it was because I think our guys got gassed and worn down. But if we can sustain longer drives, get more out of the ground attack, uh, I, I think that Sevion Morrison is ready for a big week. Um, clearly, Devin Neal is still our guy. Um, especially with Daniel Highshaw down, it's, it's Devin as RB1 for sure. But I think Sevion, just, just in the buzz I'm hearing around the program, he's ready to, to kind of take that next level jump, hopefully. Uh, and by next level, I mean moving up the depth chart. So uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see a nice steady diet of, of those two and a little bit of Kai Thomas sprinkled in as well. But all of that is going to make life easier on Jason Bean. And then Bean himself, he just has to stay away from those one or two throws a half that gets him into trouble. Because otherwise, he could do some really nice things, uh, both with deep ball passes and, and on the run. So uh, I'm, I'm encouraged, but I think we got a great shot, and uh, the game will be good. Not, not what it has been in the past. Let's go back to that previous story. This will be a great game with a lot of drama and a lot of action. And it's a game that hopefully you know comes down to the last possession. And if we're playing mistake-free football and, and, and it's the first team to, to kind of give one away, that might be what took scales because – a very good Baylor defensive team. Dave Aranda is considered one of the best defensive minds in college football, and they'll be looking for that opportunistic takeaway. They'll be looking to heat up Bean and, and pick him off like Oklahoma did. And you know, if we can stay away from that and, and, and do what we did with three takeaways in Norman, even if a couple of them were gift wrapped, um, you know, we, we got to find a way to, to win that battle as well. Well, Brian, it is that time to get to our name of the week. So, who you got this week for the KU Baylor game? So, so normally we have these really um, unique names with like six syllables or something that's a catchy, easily punnable type name. Uh, today I'm going to keep it simple. I, I'm really excited to call Devin Neal on Devin Neal. And we've got real deal Devin Neal that uh, you, you did some of the high school action of back in the day. Mm-hmm. I, I think their kid is kind of a big deal. Devin Neal, a tribute <laughs> to Ron Burgundy and the famous quote from that movie. So I don't know if he's the real deal, but he's kind of a big deal. His, his apartment smells of rich mahogany. He has many leather-bound books. Uh, but yes, kind of a big deal, Devin Neal. He's a, a safety. He's played some linebacker. Hopefully our Devin Neal, real deal Devin Neal, is getting to the second and third level, and their Devin Neal is having to tackle him 
8, 12, 15 yards downfield. But the first time Devin Neal, kind of a big deal, takes down real deal Devin Neal, uh, I can't wait to make that call. So it's a name you've heard before. It's nothing new, but it's, it's uh, identical, and we're looking forward to it on Saturday afternoon. I just had a soccer game last night where one team had two Salases that kept passing to each other. The other team had two Munoz who kept passing to each other. Led to some creativity. So I'm excited to hear uh, what happens when we do get Devin on ne- or Devin Neal on Devin Neal in the game tomorrow. Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. And before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. That's right. Big thanks to my man, Nate Miller. He's helping me with my financial future and my retirement goals. He'll do the same for you. Whether you have a portfolio active or not, he'll sit down and, and lay out you know, what you want to do to have the most profitable but also just secure financial future. And he's one of the coolest guys around. He gives to so many local charities. That's how I met him the first time was through his, his giving to the Roundwall Classic. So I love this guy. He's awesome. And he'll do the same for you. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. Always a pleasure, my man. I got to have lunch with, with some of the Great Plains media family earlier today out at our favorite spot, the 25th Street Brewery, and uh, just appreciate everything that your group of stations and Beth Cruz and everybody's doing for, for Lawrence. So thanks for having me on each week, and hopefully, maybe, just maybe, when we talk next week, we'll be talking about the bowl-eligible Kansas Jayhawk football team. Wouldn't that be fun? Mm, gave me chills just hearing it. Brian, thanks again, man. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Take care. That was the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. We have some Bill Self audio that we're going to share for you on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. 4 o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll share some Bill Self audio with you coming up shortly here on RCST. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears. We've had John on, I'd say, once a year over the past few years to help us preview the Baylor side of things, and that's who KU plays Saturday, and uh, should be a good one. Um, You know, we haven't really said that in a lot of the matchups in the past. Baylor has really blown out this series so far. But uh, I guess, John, when you head into this one, uh, how much different does this feel than in years past calling a Kansas-Baylor game? Yeah, well, Derek and Nick, it's great to be on with you guys. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, I, think, I think it's much different. You know, Baylor has uh, won 12 straight in this series, but you can really throw that out the window this year just by how well coached and how, uh, how well uh, Kansas is playing coming into this game. So, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a great game. We're going to have a great crowd here in Waco. be a great atmosphere, and uh, I think a, two really good Big 12 teams squaring off against each other. What would you say to this point has been the biggest strength or the biggest identity for Baylor this season? You know, uh, you, the way you phrase that is really good because the identity of this team is something that Coach Aranda has talked about a lot. You know, last year was the best season in Baylor football history. We went 12-2, and two, won the Big 12, won the Sugar Bowl, and, and we lost some key guys from that team. And so this year's team had to establish their own identity. And to be honest, it's taken a while. You know, I think that's, that's why the Bears are 3-3 three and three right now because they are still really in the process of establishing that identity. 
you know, I, I know what they want to be. I know what they're, they'd like their identity to be. They'd like to be a team that plays really good defense and is solid on special teams and, and runs this wide zone offense uh, very effectively. Um, but, and on occasion, they have done all of those. But on occasion, you know, they've come up short in all of those areas also. So that's how you get to 3-3 three and three at the midpoint of the season. I guess on, on the flip side of that, with maybe some of the, the shortcomings that they've had so far this season, what has maybe led to some of the, the, the losses through this point uh, of the year? Uh, you know, special teams, really, the last couple of games have, have been lacking for Baylor. Lost to Oklahoma State here in Waco uh, two and a half weeks ago and and gave up a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown and then another kickoff return for 50 yards that set up a short field for Oklahoma State. So, you know, special teams in that game were really, really uh, uh, lacking. Um, and then against West Virginia, had an extra point kick blocked and returned for a two-point defensive PAT. Uh, and, and uh, you know, basically the difference in the game right there is Baylor lost by three to West Virginia. Um, so uh, th- there have been some shortcomings in that area in special teams. Defense, uh, for the most part, has been pretty good. But, you know, there's some areas uh, with a young secondary where they've given up some yards there. Uh, and then offensively, like the West Virginia game, as, as an example, the offense, find no fault in them. 590 yards of offense, scored 40 points, but lost the game, 43-40. So, uh, you know, again, each of those areas in certain games, certain situations have, uh, have cost the Bears. When you think of Dave Aranda, you certainly think of that defensive side of the ball and obviously lost a lot from last season into this season. Um, when I look at that that front, you know they've got some guys that can really stop the run, but maybe haven't had as much of the pass rush there. How much has there been from Dave Aranda trying to dial up blitzes and bring pressures on that end versus just kind of trying to hope that some of those front guys can can win on their own? Right. I think you pegged it exactly right. Those guys, and they would tell you the same thing, they should be better at putting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, we got we had everybody back in the defensive front and added a transfer from Tulsa, Jackson Player, who's originally from Waco. So, you know, those guys were really, really good last year, and uh, they have been good at times this year, but just not consistent, and really haven't put as much pressure on the quarterback as you'd like you know, without help uh, in blitzes. So certain situations, and Ron Roberts is the defensive coordinator, and he's the one who calls those, uh, you know, certain times he, he dials it up at the right time to get some help with blitzing. But we all really think that the front on its own should should provide more pressure on the quarterback and should be, you know, really dominant up there against any offensive line they go against. And they just haven't been yet. So, Again, it's a work in progress. We're halfway through the season, and certainly these guys, uh, you know, will have more opportunities starting with this Saturday against Kansas to show that they can do better there. Certainly, the status of Blake Shapin will be interesting for this weekend. Uh, it sounded like he got back at practice. I, I know the KU coaches have said that they're expecting that that he plays, and I don't know if that's just you know you want to prepare for for whatever's in front of you. Is the talk around Waco that they expect him to play, or is that something that feels like it's just going to be a game-time decision? 
Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I asked Coach Aranda that exact question on the coaches show last night, and he said, you know, sort of matter of factly, he said, no, Blake's back at practice, and he kind of left it at that. So read into that what you want. <laughs> Uh, you know, so uh, having him back at practice to me means he has cleared the concussion protocols that he needs to to be back out there. Otherwise, he'd be on the sidelines. You know, he'd be somewhere else besides out there practicing. So uh, I, I think I would I would think he would play this week. I don't know that definitively. Um, Kyron Drones is our backup quarterback, and he really did well when he came in for Blake. Uh, when Blake went out against West Virginia Thursday a week ago, week week ago tonight, uh, I thought Kyron did really well. He threw one interception trying to just avoid a sack. But other than that, he ran the offense and seemed very much uh, uh, under control running the offense. So we've got two good quarterbacks. And, man, these days you got to have two, don't you? I mean, look at Kansas. Look at just about every team in the Big 12 ha- has had to go to a second quarterback sometimes the third quarterback uh, over the course of the season. Yeah, John, speaking of the Kansas quarterback situation, obviously KU with their backup, Jason Bean, but he's not new to the Baylor defense. They saw him a season ago. Do you think there's much for them to take away from that game, coming into this game, facing Jason Bean for for a second time? Yeah, I I think there is uh, because we saw him a year ago, but Coach Aranda again said he's better than he was last year. He's got more – uh, a grasp of the offense and just runs the offense better. So he is different from when we saw the Jayhawks last year and Jason was the quarterback. So so factor that in, but we have seen him and our defense has seen him and they've got tape on him, uh, you know, against Baylor. So I, I think that is a plus that we've seen him and he's not somebody brand new that that you really haven't seen that much of. And overall, offensively for Kansas, what what do you think could be the biggest challenge for the Baylor defense trying to slow down the Jayhawks? Uh, good question. Uh, you know, Bean, uh, again, at times has been pretty good. Uh, I know you guys put 42 points up on Oklahoma last week, so that certainly gets everybody's attention and then had the shootout against TCU the week before that. So, so many offensive weapons, I think, is uh, is really the key. And Devin Neal, at running back, uh, uh, I, he's very impressive to me, what I've seen from Devin Neal. So uh, just uh, so many weapons and, uh, again, well-coached and a good plan going into the game. To me, those are the main concerns with Kansas offensively. For Baylor, whether it's just kind of a week-in, week-out thing or, or someone who you, you think needs to play well or could play well in this matchup, who sticks out to you? Uh, for the Bears on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball, uh, who needs to who needs to play well this week? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of guys, uh, and, and Coach Aranda's kind of message this week was some of the guys are trying to do too much, and he says just go out there and play your one eleventh, you know. And if everybody does their one eleventh, and you trust the guys next to you that we're going to be okay. So that, to me, says some guys are kind of outside their lane a little bit, trying to do too much. Um, and you can't fault them for that. You know, when we're when we're losing games, they just want to do everything that they can to try to help the team win. But um, to answer your question, uh, I, I think, again, the defensive front needs to be a little bit more dominant, uh, and I think they're very much capable of doing that. Uh, the offensive line took a step forward in the West Virginia game, 
Coach wanted them to play with more aggression, more aggression to play with an edge. Uh, he says to play more violent, and I think they did that with the extra time playing on a Thursday a week ago, uh, the extra time going into that game and the extra time coming out of it. I think the offensive line has really gotten better, so, so that could be good uh, if they continue to go in that direction. Um, and then if, uh, you know, whoever a quarterback is, if it's Blake Shapin, he, he is continuing to get better every game, uh, and that would need to continue. And if it's uh, Kyron Drones, you know, might be a start for Kyron Drones or may come in at some point, you know, he, he would have to uh, uh, pick, up, uh, pick up the controls there of the offense and continue to do well also. So, you know, it's just kind of a total team effort. There's nobody – to lay blame on individually. Um, but for Baylor, it's just everybody doing their part, and that's both sides of the ball, and that's uh, the, the special teams as well. Special teams has got to be better for Baylor. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up next. I, I was looking at you know ESPN has this college football power index, and they have team efficiencies based on what units on the field. Kansas is ranked 20th so far in special teams, despite them having some kicking troubles. Baylor's only ranked 127th, so what has kind of gone wrong on that end of the field for them? Yeah, it's been a multitude of things. You know, it was a missed extra point uh, at Brigham Young that really cost us the game, lost in double overtime out there. It was a blocked extra point, returned for two by West Virginia that, in essence, cost us the game there. Uh, you could make a case if Baylor had made two extra points you know, in those situations, uh, we'd be five and one right now. So, you know, that's that's water under the bridge. That's not the case. But those are two glaring examples of mistakes in the kicking game. Um, and and our punter has been really good. Isaac Power is one of the top punters in the league. He's done well. Our kick coverage has been lacking, uh, especially in the Oklahoma State game. Um, our uh, uh, even even returns punt returns uh, have been almost non-existent, and against Oklahoma State again, we just got killed in special teams. They pinned us inside the ten, maybe inside the five, uh, two or three times in that game. So it it really is just sort of a multitude of things. Um, our kickoff guy Noah Rauschenberg, for the most part, kicks it out of the end zone, but some of his kicks were short again in the. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State game, and, and uh, they made us pay for that. And I think it's going to be a really windy day on Saturday here. So kicking game might might sort of depend on which direction you're kicking, you know, for both teams. So special teams could be a real key on Saturday. He is John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears. John, appreciate the time and hopping on the show once again and have fun on the call on Saturday. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Looking forward to it. And, uh, funny we got through a call talking about Baylor and Kansas and didn't even mention basketball how about that yeah that's right should be a good one uh this year both times that they meet up should uh once again be the top of the conference should be really fun guys thanks for having me on I appreciate it absolutely that's John Morris the voice of the Baylor Bears joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk should be good in women's basketball too both teams could be top 25 by uh the time they play there volleyball good as well for both these teams so uh, I guess developing a bit of a rivalry between the state of Kansas and the state of Texas with Nick Springer I'm Derek Johnson this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN we're going to take a timeout when we come back we will share the first half of Bill Self 
meeting with the media at kind of the Big 12 Basketball Media Day scrum uh, to the side. That on the other side here on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, we've got some Bill Self audio. We also have some KU player audio from Kevin McCuller, Dewan Harris, and Jalen Wilson. So uh, we did our KU offensive notebook yesterday, running about a day behind on that. We're going to have our KU mailbag tomorrow, by the way. I promise on that. It's going to be a good one. Yes, it is. We've got some good questions in there. <laughs> uh, and you can still get yeah, some more still questions. Ask que- yes, yeah. go ask more questions. Yeah. The crazier, the better. Hit up either of us. Nick Springer, 29, on Twitter. D. Johnson Radio on Twitter. Or our show page, at RCST1320. Or just follow all of us. Yeah. RCST1320. Tag us all. Follow us all. Shoot Jared, whatever. Myself, yeah. DM. Twitter. I don't know, reply, uh, tweet, whatever. Yeah. Hey, if you yeah. have like a carrier pigeon that can get a message in, fine by us. By, by tomorrow? I don't know how carrier pigeons work. I can't imagine they travel very quickly. No, but if you're if you're like in Lawrence and uh, to Lawrence, okay, they probably can, you yeah, know. You but yeah, if you're, if you're from like Kansas City or something, I don't know if it makes it in time. Yeah. So our KU defensive notebook, defensive notes. Bad. It just, yes, bad <laughs> is, the, is the one word summary for things. It just it, it was weird because it just looked so disorganized in that game. And that's that's been something that the KU has emphasized, that the coaches have emphasized, that the first part of being good defensively is aligning properly. We didn't really see good alignment. How often did you see KU scrambling around, not really knowing where to go with the tempo and with lining up where and who's covering who? And you saw coverage breakdowns at the back end. Say what you want about maybe some other games that KU has struggled over the Lance Leipold era on the defensive side of the ball. We haven't really seen it look like that, where it was just kind of a mess well, on that the, end. The emphasis it's been for most of the season has been on simplifying the defense, just playing fast, playing loose, you know, keeping it simple, making tackles. And that just, whatever, if that was the game plan, it just didn't work against Oklahoma, right? And now, on one hand, you could argue, well, Oklahoma got their quarterback back. He looked sharp. They've got some really talented guys. But that still, I don't know that that necessarily excuses that poor of a defensive effort considering there were have, there have been multiple games this season where we felt like the defense has taken a step towards being not the worst defense in the Big 12. And however many steps forward they've taken this season, it felt like they took that plus like 10 steps backwards. Right? So they definitely have something to prove. And... and the tempo clearly was yeah it bothered issue. him yeah it was clearly an issue and it was an issue when TCU ran it against KU as well the week before so that was obviously a negative for for the KU defense and Brian Borland mentioned how they weren't able to sub as much because OU was just running tempo and but then I thought he had a great answer to the solution which was how do you stop tempo well you make a punt. I agree make them punt <laughs> but you can't even make them punt when you don't even they don't even have to face a third down. Right, so there was just a lot of issues that really compounded on each other for, for KU in that game, and and yeah, there's no question that Oklahoma has a ton of talent on offense, and there's no question that it shined through. Marvin Mims was outstanding. Eric Gray ran the ball all over him, but and and I, and Derek, listen, we rubber stamped, we confirmed it. The KU run defense was fixed. Are we sure now? Ah, it feels like we jinxed it. It really did. They gave up like 300 on the ground. I, I don't know is is the real answer there because um, you could convince me that it was, A, just a bad game, 
B, again, you have the alignment issues with the tempo and everything. C, because of the fact that you were giving up so much in the air and just getting gashed there, whether it was on double moves, deep passes, or if it was just giving up cushion to guys, that you had to put more defensive backs out there. You had to put less emphasis on stopping the run, and then they just ran all over you. You could convince me of that, and maybe there won't be as good of a passing offense that you're going to play moving forward. I don't know the answer to that. Do you Do you feel like, I don't know, where are you at well, with the I, rush well, defense? Well, that's, that's kind of what I was getting to. Is like, is this a game where you can draw these grand conclusions and be like, oh, the KU defense is not fixed? Or is this a game that we're going to look back at the end of the season and just say, yeah, it was a bad game. Forget yeah. about it. I mean, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really know yet because we there's been games where the KU defense has kind of been good enough, right? Where they have they definitely haven't been great, but they've been good enough. West Virginia, even really to an extent, except the Houston game, they were pretty good. Uh, the TCU game, they were they were maybe good enough to win, right? But this game, they were definitely not good enough. But is it gonna? But again, is it gonna be a game where we look back to it and just say, well, that was their worst game of the season? Overall, they were still a pretty average or decent defense. I that's where I'm leaning right now okay. as far as the run defense. The goes. other good news for for the defense here is. Oklahoma, I think, is probably going to be the fastest tempo team that they will see all. Well, I'm season. glad you said that. I know Oklahoma because I actually have the the, well, have the numbers. I don't have the numbers in terms of like the. I, I see I mean, sometimes they'll put like the plays per second or something. I know, you know? Bay- Baylor is like 50th in the country in yeah. in uh like tempo. Yeah, and Oklahoma State is generally. A pretty I have high the numbers on everyone they're they're playing here. So this is plays per game. Again, I don't have the numbers of. How much time left on the play clock? That's probably yeah. the best way of looking at it to see how fast I mean, play, they're going. Plays per game is pretty pretty good. It play. is, but sometimes it can be indicative of oh, the defense gave up scores really quick, so we just yeah. got more plays on offense. That can be part of it too. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma on the season is twenty first in the country, averaging seventy seven plays per game. Baylor and is fifty. They ran a hundred against KU. Yes, they did. So they went way over their average. Yes, Baylor's fifty first at about seventy two and a half. So Baylor is about five plays less. They they might mix it in. I don't know. TCU on the season, I cannot find. They must not have it listed. They were as they were kind of up and down. They were kind of herky jerky when they played KU. Uh, they're seventy fifth. They run about seventy plays a game. Okay. Of the remaining schedule, so mentioned Baylor this week. That's fifty first. Oklahoma State, this isn't good. Is sixth. <laughs> they're averaging over eighty plays per game. So they're ahead of where Oklahoma was. Yep. Oklahoma State does use a lot of tempo. Good news for KU is that's after a bye week. So any problems you had there, you think you can try to fix during that bye week. I would would imagine that helps you with the tempo. Texas Tech is the number one team in the country in plays per game. I don't know if this is... They played a triple overtime game. They played a... They did. They, that's what I'm they, saying. They, like, they played another overtime game against Texas. Yes. The the Houston was double OT. I, yeah. oh, that's double what I'm OT. saying, that the plays per game might not be the best indicator. If you can find the time snapped with the, the you know yeah. play clock, that's a better indicator. Yeah. This is wild. Texas Tech is averaging 96 plays per game. <laughs> Second in the country is Indiana at 85. That's absurd. So, I mean, part that of it is, is the world? overtime stuff, but I don't even remember who Texas Tech played last week. They had 108 plays on offense. Last week? Yeah, hundred and eight, <laughs> and I don't remember that being an overtime. Who did they play last week? So maybe they had a bye week last week. It was they... their last game. It might have been the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, they did have a bye week last. Yeah, week. so it was the Oklahoma State game. They ran hundred and eight plays in that game. 
Wow. I don't I don't know if that's like an error or what on, on this side that I'm looking at. That, that's incredible. 96 plays per game. So you're going to play another team with them. Now, when you look at the Kansas State and Texas games down the road, K-State's 87th. They run a slower tempo. That's not surprising. Yeah. Texas is 105th. Wow. So you're really slowing it down. You have the Baylor games kind of in between the K-State-Texas games. You look at as slower teams, and then you have the Oklahoma State and Texas Tech games as really fast teams. That's yeah. your remaining schedule. That that is a that is a little bit of a that changed the way at all you think of the Texas Tech game though because we thought of that as a winnable game and if KU struggles this much against I, tempo that's kind of worrisome. I think you still have to consider Texas Tech a winnable game. Regardless. I agree. I mean they are they're probably the least talented team left on the schedule for KU. So they they just they just have to be there I think by virtue of that. Well, but back, that is concerning. Back to the question you asked about. Do we draw Does any defense, real... Yeah, do they, yeah. Su- do they suck now, or is this just a one-time... <laughs> right. And, and I think the answer all along was that, yes, they're they're not like a, a top-tier yeah, team I mean, in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, I think 12, you and I both agreed that if they if KU was the seventh-best team in the Big it. 12, that would be good. Yes, com- uh, combined with their offense and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's trying to get out of that. Just don't be the worst. Like, like yeah. don't be the worst defense in the Big 12. To that point... KU had all sorts of tackling problems in yeah, that game. They struggled. You can just see that from the eye test. If you look at Pro Football Focus, I think it said they missed, I forget it was 14 or 15 missed tackles in the game, which is a huge number. To the idea that they are better than what they showed. And maybe you just chalk it up to, hey, Oklahoma has ultimate athletes and KU doesn't have as good of athletes, so that's going to lead to more missed tackles because you get juked out or broken tackles or whatever, and maybe that scares you moving forward because Lonnie you're going to play other teams with really good athletes. Lonnie that too. Was banged up. KU, though, on Pro Football Focus, is second in the Big 12 in tackling grade this year. Really? So them missing that many tackles against Oklahoma is the outlier. It is the kind of albatross to the season for KU. Yeah. And they've really done a pretty I mean when you when you bring that up, they've when you think back, they really have done a pretty good job of of tackling certainly in the secondary. I mean, I don't know how they rate I don't know what they dis, how pro football, pro football focus defines missed tackles, but they've done a pretty good job, really. Yeah. And in that game like Kenny Logan, I think had four missed tackles. Like guys were just Missing. It, it was that easy. So, again, I don't know if you chalk that up to Oklahoma has these stud skill players, with Eric Gray and Marvin Mims and whatnot, and when you play better skill players, the the athleticism gap or, or whatnot might be more exposed for you, and that scares you because Baylor has a couple really good athletes on the outside at receiver and a pretty good one with Richard Reese at running back, and you're going to play teams like Oklahoma State and whatever, Kansas yeah. State with Deuce Vaughn, that are going to have those types of players yeah, I mean, we know that the— Or was it just a bad game? Pretty much the rest of the season, the KU defense is, is going to be less athletic than their opponents, just in terms of pure talent. And that's where right? the alignment thing comes into play. Yeah. If you're, if you're already slower than your opponent or not as strong, and they have the angle on you with bad alignment— Good luck then. That's your one shot to get them is with good alignment, tricking the team, whatever it is. Just sound defensive football. Exactly. Sound defensive football. So that's what you're kind of looking for this week. You might still give up points. You might give up 30, even 40, I don't know, to Baylor this week. Just less coverage busts, better alignment from the defense. Like, those are the biggest things. And then besides that, it's, you know, what is the defensive line going to look like? Uh, We saw this earlier this year. Like, the West Virginia game, you didn't really get much push there. You bounced back. You had a good game against Houston. You've had good games since. Um, 
Iowa State game was great. Iowa State game was great. Yeah, five sacks. I think yep. eight tackles for loss in that game. Yep. It was a little bit down against Oklahoma. So, again, do you chalk that up to the competition? OU has a really talented physical offensive line that even by pro football focus was like top 20 in pass blocking and run blocking grade, I think, coming into the game. So it's not like that was an area that they had been struggling in along with some of their other areas. You can also chalk it up to the tempo. I mean, tempo yeah. is going to slow down your pass rush for sure. And especially because Oklahoma was basically not letting KU sub. Yeah. And that, that to me, is probably the biggest strength of KU's D-line. Yeah, is their, it's the depth. It's their, their depth and rotation and what they're mm-hmm. able to do with that. So the tempo you know, takes that away, plus Lonnie Phelps was playing banged up. We think he's going to be fine for Baylor. We're not 100% sure, though. So, yeah, I think you could maybe chalk those up and maybe wash that one out for the D-line if they were, if they bounce back. Now, if they, if they string together another couple bad games here against Baylor and Oklahoma State, then you start to become more concerned. Yes. And I guess my point is that we have seen some ups and downs game to game from this unit that I am expecting them to get it together. I do think the fact, too, that Lonnie Phelps did have that injury, only played 15 snaps. That was probably as big of a reason as anything. Because now if you're you're combining the idea that KU's depth advantage is gone to where, you know, the longer a game goes on, they're bringing in second and third strings, or even when the starters are in, they're just going to be more well-rested. And because of that, it's going to, equalize things against the opposing offensive line. But now, without Lonnie Phelps, not only do you lose the advantage of saying, well, our rested second and third string are going to be able to come in and do the same thing and wear you down and our starters are going to be rested, but you also lose that ability to just say, well, what are our straight line, what what are our top line guys doing against you? And so uh, I think just having him back, plus he he opens things up for other guys. He yeah. he creates so much attention. He he draws double teams. He draws the the chip from the running back or the tight end that it's going to leave other guys in one-on-one. Well, you, I mean, you said it yourself. For, for KU's defense to reach the maximum potential, Lonnie Phelps has to be, first of all, just on the field. And number two, he has to be one of your top players on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think so. I, yeah. I think... And then, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when, uh, when you look at a game where KU would play like an A or a B game defensively, it involves Lonnie Phelps being kind of a game wrecker. Yeah. Or getting a sack, getting a couple QB hurries, opening things up for other players. Yeah, and then on the back end, the Kobe Bryant injury also pretty significant just in terms of uh, another guy who's a playmaker, who's not afraid to to take a risk and try to get an interception or make a big play for the defense. So that's a big blow, but Borland mentioned Kalen Gervin. He's really confident in him, and, and Gervin's been playing mostly in the slot, but I think there's a lot of confidence that he can play on the outside as well. So it doesn't really sound like internally KU has a lot of concerns about that in terms of at least being able to plug the gap of having Kobe Bryant out but now bringing in Gervin. And we saw Shad Dabney come in uh, in the Oklahoma game, but I think he gave up a couple big plays. So we'll see what happens with Gervin on the outside, which it sounds like that's going to be where he is more. And by the way, Gervin was at Media Day on Wednesday. We're going to get to his audio, and he was a great interview. He had some very, very uh, fun, fun things to say. So really excited to hear from him. All right. I'm looking forward to it. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We're going to get to some more KU basketball audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. 
You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, programming notes for the week. Tonight we've got High School Sports Weekly at Burgers by Biggs from 6 to 7 o'clock. But stop by Burgers by Biggs whenever, whether it's stopping by for the show. We've got Free State Volleyball and Tennis on tonight's show. Or just uh, have a bite to eat. Tell them KLWN or RCST sent you. They have great burgers, hand-cut fries, ice cream, shakes, malts, all the sorts at Burgers by Biggs over on the corner of Wakarusa and Bob Billings. We also have high school football tomorrow. Free State on the road against Olathe North on Friday night. You can hear that on 92.9 The Bull. Lawrence High is back here at home in Lawrence. You can hear that on KLWN. Saturday, we got KU football. Pre-game 9.30, kickoff at 11 o'clock here on your original home for the Jayhawks on KLWN and KLWN.com. Yesterday, a Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day. Had the chance to catch up with Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, and Jalen Wilson. We'll start with Jalen Wilson, all Big 12 preseason performer. Some thought that he could have been the Big 12 preseason player of the year, and who knows, he might end up winning that award in the postseason. Here is a few minutes speaking with Jalen Wilson at Media Day. Uh, you're going to get another crack at Davion. Yeah, man. Different place. Yeah, man, different place. What's that like, and, you know, it gets talked about every time you guys match up. But. Oh, I love it, man. We've been playing basketball with it against each other since second grade now, man. So to see how God works and he went somewhere else and now he's right back, like, it's crazy, man. It's going to be fun. Try to get him here? Uh, yeah, I mean, we try to recruit them off, but, you know, hey, Lubbock must have some on but we got somebody else from Lubbock, so we good, man. Yeah. How much do you take credit for getting Kevin here? Uh, I take what, out of 100%, I take 99.99, man. Nah, we, we've been boys for a while, man. Uh, it's cool to see him in his Kansas uniform, and I hated playing against him and his team because they just seem to be giving us the battles every single time we play, but to have him now on our team to help us out uh, is, is really great. What's the biggest improvements we're going to see from you this season? Uh, you know, just my consistent shooting. Uh, I'm really confident now being a good shooter, not one shooter. It is my leadership, man. I want to I be able to, to give back to as much as I can, you know, make this place even better than what it already is. What do you think the playing style this year versus last year, like what big differences do you see from this team? I think we'll see a lot more movement, um, you know, with Dave being a senior big, you know, established big, we knew what he was going to do. But now having newer guys that can do different things, you know, you got Zach that's now going to be a key part of our team, you know, Ernie, Zoo, Ken, like, we got a lot of different bigs that can do different things, you know, I don't think we had that last year. Um, so now we get to see different lineups, you know, whatever the situation is in the second half, 10 minutes now, just, just whatever it is, I think we'll be able to, be able to adjust to. Who's the funniest player on the team? On this part, I say the, the guy to make some laugh most is Kevin I say for sure yeah who is the best singer on the team best singer I think I'm up there for sure I keep pretty vocal not an owl but you know I'm on time yeah. uh, who's the biggest night owl on the team night owl probably Juan be on 2k all the time yeah so, so who's the best at video games that Juan he says it I don't know if he's the best video game player it's a couple of good video game heads though I would say yeah depends on the game there we go uh, among the freshmen who's the funniest funniest Grady, his personality, you'll, you'll see, it's going to be great, man. Who's the most serious player on the team? Serious player? Hmm. I think Zub is because he's just quiet in there. He's, he's pretty quiet. And who's a player you think could, could break out this season? Uh, I think everyone expects Grady to, but, you know, I see Ernest being able to, to really impact some games. You know, I always see Coach talking about, uh, like, those games that change the momentum of the game. And his lobs, I mean, y'all saw it late night were crazy. I mean, him catching one of those in the field house, you know how they're going to react. And those games, or those plays change games tremendously. That was Jalen Wilson. Also got a chance to catch up with Kevin McCuller, his uh, friend who ended up transferring in from Texas Tech. And, 
seems to have the trust of Bill Self already. You always question with newcomers, even with older guys like transfers, like we saw last year with Remy Martin. Like it took time for him to be able to kind of ingratiate himself and, and fit into his role. With Kevin McCuller, because he is such a good defender and versatile player, I don't really think you're going to have those questions with Bill Self. Like he is just kind of a perfect uh, chess piece on the board that Bill Self would love to have and, and I imagine is going to have that big role 30-plus minutes a game right off the bat for KU. Here is Kevin McCuller speaking with the media at Big 12 Media Day. I don't know if the last time you were here was the Big 12 championship game, but going back to that moment, I'm sure it sucked being in the locker room after losing at that level. Did you ever think you would be back here with, with Kansas? Um, yeah, like in that moment, I never knew I'd be playing for uh, Kansas the next season. Um, it's just kind of how it worked out, and uh, I'm here now. So, yeah. We saw you be pretty much a facility in a lot of ways in late night in the fog. Uh, talk about that kind of part of your game and, and uh, what you can bring to the team. Uh, yeah, that's just kind of another aspect of my game, I feel like. Um, I feel like I'm a very versatile player. And with Coach Self's offense, you know, playing one, the one through the four, it's big for me and just be able to showcase my versatility. I know a lot was made when you first decided to come to KU about your and Jalen's relationship beforehand. How has he kind of helped you come along? Oh, yeah, he's helped me a lot. Um, he made the transition a lot easier. Um, you know, he uh, kind of just embraced me, you know, from the jump. And, you know, it's been great. Uh, he's my roommate, too, so it's, it's been great. Have you noticed the difference yet between Bill Self, the recruiter, versus Bill Self, the coach? Um, yeah, I knew he was going to be a tough coach to play for, and he's pushing me every day, and I'm embracing it, and I love it. Who's the best shooter on the team? Uh, best shooter is Michael Jankovic, hands down. Who's second? Um, I would say Grady Dick. Uh, who would you say is the fastest player on the team? Um, actually, I think myself. Um, when we be running sprints and stuff, Coach Self always be like saying, "I'm gonna pick Kevin to win this one," and I be going to get it. So I think I'm, I'm think I'm the fastest on the team. Actually, who's got the best vertical? Best vertical, I say KJ Adams or Joe Yesufu. Best shot blocker. Best shot blocker is Zuby. Hands down. Best rebounder. Best rebounder, I would say probably Ernest. And what's going to be the, the identity of the team? When, when people play KU after they're done, what do you want them to say about you guys? Um, just how energetic we are, um, you know, on both ends of the floor. Um, Defensive-minded team that's uh, just always moving and out there competing. Kevin, what can you say about your relationships with some of the players still at Texas Tech? We saw you with uh, KO and stuff, so how is their relationship still with you guys? Uh, they're great. Bro. I mean, me and KO are just over here just, just chatting, just you know, catching up and stuff. Uh, it's been great, though, seeing all the guys in the big two. I've been in the league for a while. Now, so just kind of building those relationships. And for you, your family is everything. They were at every single game last year supporting you. Your dad was a coach back in Lubbock. So how has it been that transition like for your family as well? Uh, it's been good. Um, you know, just got a new family here in Kansas right now. Um, you know, they embrace me. Uh, my family, they're going to still come to all my games and support me. They're, they're my backbone and my, my ride or die. So they'll be at my games for sure. And for you, with this being the new team, new colors and stuff, do you have a new sense of identity for yourself and for your game? Uh, really just being super versatile. Um, on both ends of the floor, uh, the offense here, you know, gets me involved to showcase pretty much all, all aspects of my game, um, and of course, just bringing that defensive mindset. Have you kind of thought about your return back to Lubbock? What's going to be like? Because you guys want 18 you know, at home. That environment is like no other. Oh yeah, it's going to be a great environment when I come back. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be a big game. That was Kevin McCuller. The last KU player that they brought was Dewan Harris, and you know. Dewan, I, I think you can just tell the difference in his confidence and his presence this year. He was already so valuable to this team with his defense and his steadiness at point guard. Um, but I, I think you're starting to see him step up as a leader as well and be more talkative, be more vocal. 
you know, in past years, and this happens with a lot of guys. I mean, you have a guy who's coming in who's maybe an 18 or 19-year-old, and, you know, they're not used to the microphones in front of their face and, and speaking with the media. And that doesn't necessarily indicate if a player is going to be good or bad. But you just see guys grow in speaking with the media. A lot of times as their career gets on, they just get more comfortable with it. It's kind of a, a growing up process. They mature and they get better at that stuff. And, and that's always cool to watch from just a, a human development, I guess, side of things and Dewan was always more of a, a quiet kid and you think too like Dewan's not one of those players who was you know all over the the Nike EYBL or, or whatever circuit that's just constantly you know this five star being interviewed every stop he goes about what college are you going to take and, and you get kind of conditioned to coach speak and, and all this different stuff along the way like he was a more under-recruited kid, so he was a little quieter with the media and everything over the past couple years um, and he just He's so kind of like talkative and energetic and, and has an increased energy about him this year. Again, that, I think some of that was there. It's just, you know, you're getting more comfortable with who you are and where you're at and everything. And he just seems so comfortable to me. It might just be overreading into something silly in the media. But here's Dewan Harris at Big 12 Media Days. Knowing that that flag was going to be unfurled and knowing that the rings were going to be presented that night, what, what was, was it almost like leading up to Christmas for you? Oh, uh, yeah. I, was, I couldn't wait to get that ring. Like, I waited, me and my teammate Bobby Pettiford, we waited 30 minutes after late night to get our uh, rings. Because we, we wanted to get them, and they weren't trying to give us our uh, rings. So I, we was waiting, telling the coach we wanted our rings, and we finally got them. And then I think our team just got theirs like yesterday, so like everybody else, so yeah, we got us luck. We got so you didn't want to leave late night without it. Because you knew it would one end to that. I needed that ring. I needed that ring. Coach says in order for young guys to play well, the vets got to play well. What's that mean to you? How, Coach said for in order for young guys to play well, you vets also have to play well. Just what's that look like to you? What, what's that mean to you? You guys have to play well. Well, older guys, we got to help them. We got to lead and show them what to do. Because, you know, me and Jay Will, we've been here for a long time now, three years, and we know what to expect and what Coach expects. So we just got to help lead and have everybody else be, be ready to be prepared to, to grind out the season because, you know, it's going to be a tough year. This year going to probably be the toughest year that Coach Hill probably had because, you know, everybody's going to be running to, wanting to beat us because, you know, we just won a national championship. So we just got to be ready to, ready to play and be prepared every game. You guys already have a target on your back every day, but that added pressure, is that something that fuels you? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean. Talk to me about your mom. To be honest, I I just come out and play my game every day. That pressure started, I mean, we got pressure pressure and stuff, but we, we, if we just come out and handle business like we're supposed to, that all that would just rub off of us. So. What have you seen from some of the other guards with, with Bobby, Joe, and Kyle? Uh, well, well, Bobby's been hurt for a little bit, so he's just now getting back how he used. Like, the last couple of days, he's practicing good, and then with Joe, Coach just want Joe to like go, because Joe's a combo guard. So coaches want him to go score the ball, and that's what we're going to need for Joe because Joe's a scorer. He's a really good scorer. So if he gets into his mind that score, 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 and don't think about it, he's going to be a pretty, he's going to be a really good player for us because he already can guard. 
he's already tough, so he's fast, the fastest guard on our team. So I feel like when he gets that stuff done, we're going to be really good. And then with Kyle, I think he, he's still uh, learning a lot, you know, because we, uh, we got a lot of guards ahead of him right now. So it's going to be kind of hard for him to play, but he brings it every day. He comes in playing hard, playing defense. He just he gets better. He, he's trying to get better every day. So. And he's very athletic. He's one of our athletic guards. But all, all three of our guards are athletic, like Kyle, Bobby, and Joe. They're all, they the most athletic guards on our team, so I feel like with them, we just got to come in and bring it every day. And with playing like a, two of those guards together, do you feel comfortable doing that? How much of that do you think we're going to see from you guys? Uh, yeah, really, because, you know, Joe, I mean, you know how I pick up, I pick up the ball like every like throughout the court, I pick up the ball. But with Joe, I think he can give me some rest and with him picking up the ball because he's a great on-ball pressure, too. You know, he's 5'9", 200 pounds, so, you know, he's big. So, you know, but that's rubbing off me. I can play the pass lanes even more because that's all I like to do in there. But Bobby, uh, he's a pretty good defender, too. So, we just got to keep getting better every day. We always hear Bill say you've got really quick hands. Who has the, the quickest hands besides yourself on the team to get steals? Uh, probably Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Who's the best passer on the team besides yourself? Uh, either Kev or Bobby. And who's the best at throwing down lobs? Throwing down lobs? Probably Ernest. You know, he's 7 foot, 6'11", so he big. Who's going to be a player that's going to surprise us this year? That surprised us? I'll say... Um, he just said himself. I can say probably... Uh, Joe. I can see Joe. I can see Joe doing that. That was Dewan Harris, really excited the season he's going to have. And every time Bill Self gets asked about him or talks about him, he really lights up. He is uh, the ultimate, I think, Bill Self guy headed into this season. Like, there's probably going to be, you know, we always have every year, there might be a player or two who walks into the Bill Self doghouse. Whatever the opposite of that would be, like, that's where Dewan Harris is. He's in the... Uh, the Bill Self, I don't know, the penthouse, is that the opposite of the doghouse, I guess? Uh, so looking forward to the year that he can have. KU kicks off the season in two weeks for their exhibition game, two weeks from today against Pittsburgh State. You can hear it here on your original home for the Jayhawks on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We're going to take a timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.